0: Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, this is Dan. I trust you're having a week where you are doing work that you love. If you're not, stay tuned. We're going to give you some tips as to how you can do that you can either find or create i talk about that a lot on here if you can't find it create it we're seeing more and more people that are doing that there's a big crowd at 48days.net who are in fact doing that that's a free social networking site where people who have ideas just like you are saying how can i do this they share advice they ask for advice from other people and by doing that are able to shorten the time frame dramatically till they get something up and running profitably. You can do the same. Well, I've scanned through lots of questions this week from you, the listeners. I welcome your questions in. Thanks for submitting those. You can uh, shoot those in at any time. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on podcast. You'll see a little starburst pop up there, and it will give you a place to ask your question that I can include in a and an upcoming show. Here's some of the ones we're going to be addressing in today's podcast. Dan using 48 days. I changed my career and landed a six figure position in three months. And I love it. Doesn't even seem like I'm working. Somebody says, I've heard you say many times that money is in the selling. I'm a techie guy and don't much care for selling things. Dan, I just learned last week that I'm being laid off from my job of 24 and a half years. What should I do? Dan, how do I break free from the change of mediocrity? Golly, great question. i love to, we'll have some fun unpacking that one. How do you break free from the change of mediocrity? Dan, I'm a 21-year-old college student from Poland without an idea for a future job. I'm planning to move out of my apartment and live in my car to save money while I build my sports consulting business. Well, you'll hear why I don't think that's a good idea at all. I like if you're going to be successful in consulting, you better be presenting yourself as a professional, not as somebody who just crawled out from under the bridge. Well, we'll get to that and more. Here's a quotation for the day. It comes from George Bernard Shaw. People are always blaming their circumstances for where they are. I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want, and if they can't find them, Make them well, I believe that as well. You know, in No More Mondays, um, one of the books I wrote a couple of years ago, I talk about seeing the opportunity how to see an opportunity. Here's a little story from there. I want to start with today. While registering his car in Miami, Louis de Riamondo spotted a hot dog vendor and bought a dog. Then he saw a for sale sign hanging on the cart on impulse. He bought the cart for $1,500, set up his own business, but in his hurry to get up and running, Louis forgot to remove the for sale sign. The first day he sold more than 100 hot dogs, but what intrigued him the most was the number of people asking if they could buy his cart. Today, Louie Ramiando sells more than 4,000 carts a year out of a Miami showroom. He now has flower carts, pretzel carts, coffee carts, in addition to the original hot dog stands and generates more than $30 million annually in company sales. You know, that, that that is just so true how it often works. Sometimes the best opportunity is right in front of us, but we have to have our eyes open. We have to be able to see it. I mean, a lot of the things that I do today in 48 days are a result of just hearing what people were asking for. I mean, I didn't anticipate being an author, even just a few years ago, but I would speak a lot, taught a Sunday school class, and would, would present at civic organizations around the community. People invariably would come up afterwards, oh my gosh, I've got a son-in-law who really needs to hear what you just talked about. Or, I've got a cousin who just lost his job. Or, I've got a neighbor who's been out of work for six months. What can I give them to tell them what you just told us? Well, I didn't have anything. But as people kept asking, I finally put together some very simple materials, and we started selling that as the very first form of 48 Days to the Work You Love. We sold a lot of those. Then publishers showed up and said, we want to publish that in a traditional trade book fashion. Having done that, that led to people who were asking for seminars and workshops. So I did that. People were asking to be endorsed by us as 48 Days Endorsed Coaches. So we did that. And it just kept developing again and again. Then people started showing up and saying, I wanna do what you've done with your books. You know, gee, maybe somebody wrote a manuscript or they already have a book published, but none have ever really sold, and they're saying, how did you do what you did with 48 Days? So I said, you know what? Instead of telling people 20 times a week, and we've always told people readily whatever we did, if it would give them hope and inspiration and encouragement, but rather than having to do that repeatedly, I said, why don't we put together a little workshop? We'll have a people come out here to our little sanctuary in Franklin, Tennessee for a couple of days, and we'll just share everything that we've ever done and how we've used writing to really leverage into a very profitable business. So we did that. But I've just responded to things that were right there under our nose that people ask for. So my business has developed and taken shape over the years. I've always done that. When I was a young pup, Years and years ago, just fresh out of graduate school, I had just gotten a master's degree in clinical psychology and ended up working with a buddy of mine, and we had a used car lot in Anaheim, California. Not exactly what my wife thought she was helping me through school for in getting that graduate degree in clinical psychology, but uh, that's another story I learned real quickly. I didn't have the patience to be a counselor. I don't want to hear you whine and complain for the next two years. I want to spend 10 minutes create a plan of action and do something new. Anyway, so I ended up in in the used car business with my buddy Jerry. Well, we had a big lot there in Anaheim, California, right on Catella Avenue just down the street from Disneyland and we had about 30 to 40 cars ready at any time, but we had all this space in the back that we couldn't justify filling with cars it would be too costly to have cars there. So I said, "Why don't we allow people to park things here? They can park a boat here, a uh, truck a car rv motorcycle trailer whatever they want to they can park it here and we'll charge them monthly to park it here well we did that we just divided it up into the little spaces it was graveled not even paved so we didn't have permanent lines we just said you know you can park it here and well you pay us 40 dollars a month or whatever it was and that turned out to be a very lucrative business guess what happened next we started having people stop in saying dan i want to rent that motorhome for the weekend there's a big race up in Santa Monica, I want to rent that motorhome. And I said, Well, that's not ours. It belongs to a customer. You know, then we have somebody stop in and say, Golly, we're going on a family reunion. We're going up to Lake Mead for a week. I want to rent that motorhome. Well, I'm sorry, that's not ours. It's just a customer who has it parked here and pays storage. Well, that doesn't have to happen a whole lot of times before I start thinking, We need to be renting motorhomes. People stop in here three times a day, it tells me we need to be in that business. So I told Jerry, we need to be renting motorhomes. He said, golly, what's that involved? I said, I don't know, I'll check it out. So I did and found that I could purchase a motorhome, no money, you know, just set it up where the rent would pay the payments and all the maintenance on it. We had income from that immediately and we could schedule the motorhomes for our own use and pleasure anytime we wanted to. Well, that was a pretty cool deal. I got a big motorhome, new one. Jerry got a motorhome. Uh, We... I thought it was pretty cool that we could have access to them anytime we wanted and then generate income from them as well. I started telling friends about that, man, this is a really cool deal. I get tax benefits because it's in rental service. I get to use it anytime I want to. And it creates a whole lot of income for me week after week after week. And I had friends saying, I want to do that too. So I said, okay, let's get you a motorhome. I'll handle it. You'll get of the rental, I'll guarantee that it'll cover all your, your payments and expenses on it. You can have access to it anytime you want to, and you get a tax break on the income that it generates. And I'm keeping 60% of the rental income. Well, that was a pretty cool deal for everyone involved. And very quickly I had 18 motorhomes in rental service. And then I started having people say, well, how am I supposed to take my motorcycles because we want to take our motorcycles, we're going out to the desert for a week, you know, out to one of the lakes, Lake Mead, Lake Powell, all the Lake Tahoe, beautiful lakes out there. We want to take our motorcycles. And I said, okay, I'll get a motorcycle trailer. So I bought, I think I bought about four or five motorcycle trailers. I mean, it was pretty phenomenal. I mean, I could i could purchase those things for about 450 bucks a piece, as I recall. And I would rent them for like $120 a week. Well, that's a pretty clean deal. There's no mechanical things to go wrong, it's a trailer. And after four weeks, one month of rent, then everything is just pure, clean, total 100% profit after that. I mean, so we found other things that we were able to do, but it just came as a result of keeping our eyes open for opportunities. That's what you ought to be doing as well, there are opportunities everywhere. Well, Joby from Chesapeake says, Dan, uh, the gifts God has given you to empower others inspires me to grow and be fruitful. Thanks for your leadership. Well, thanks, Joby, for your comment. Joby says, is there a legal way to try out a business without going through the steps of registering a business? I'm thinking about launching a part-time gravesite maintenance career. I want to market to neighborhoods that have an older population. Am I able to make flyers and present my services for this without launching into a full business model? Is there a threshold of money that I can make before I have to register a business? Well, there's not really a threshold of money that you can make. So I would say sure, just go ahead and do this. And and the answer to that is you can do this. You don't have to register anything. You can just go ahead and do this. So just offer your services. I mean, I'm familiar with this. I mean, having relatives in graveyards and out of state Locations. I'm very familiar with having somebody come in and just take care of it, keep things trimmed up, looking nice, report any vandalism or whatever, and so on. So yeah, you can do that. And what I would suggest is that when you're making 40 or $45,000 a year, then look at making your business more official. So don't go through anything to make it complicated right out of the gate. Just do it as part-time. You can record that income as miscellaneous income on your tax return, perfectly legitimate to do that and just ramp it up. If it gets to be very successful, then you can go through making it a more specific business. You can still, even without doing anything legally to register, you can still give it a name. I mean, you can call it whatever you want to, give it a nice professional sounding name. You can do all those things without having done anything to register it legally. Jason says, uh, this is from Denver. I wanted to let you know that neither the economy nor anything else kept me from finding a new job. I accepted an offer last week, the second one I received within a month. I was miserable at my previous job, but then I decided to get serious about my job search. Along with guidance in the 48 days material, I used LinkedIn extensively to get in touch with people at companies, then called them and talked to them. I was surprised at how helpful everyone was. Now, if you're not familiar with LinkedIn, it's a social networking site. There's no charge. You can go there and register, but it's for people who are hiring or people who are in a job search to make connections, and it's a great place to do just that. You can search industries and know who's hiring, where opportunities are, and uh, if you're wanting to hire people, you can find competent people there because you can see their profiles. Anyway, um, this... uh, Let's see, who was this? This As Jason continues, the main things I learned were, number one, don't waste time applying to jobs online. Yes, number two, I found that getting people to talk about themselves and what they do is easy. Even for a reserved engineer like myself, doing this helped me get my foot in the door. Boy, that's one of those just basic, primitive, but very effective Dale Carnegie principles. Talk in terms of the other person's interest. Get them to talk about themselves. You better believe it opens doors. And number three, Jason says, set goals. Thanks for all you do, keep up the good work. Well, thanks for that great report, Jason. Here's another one also from Colorado. This comes from Fort Collins. Steve says, Dan, thanks so much for the work that you do using 48 Days. I changed my career and landed a six-figure position in three months, and I love it. It's like I'm not even going to work. I then taught the 48-day seminar at my church, and it's helped a lot of people here keep it coming. Well, thanks for those reports. Always love to hear those. Jonathan from Pensacola says, Dan, I've heard you say many times that the money is in the selling. I'm a techie guy. I like building websites, blocking, programming. I believe I could build anything I set my mind to from a technical standpoint. The problem is I don't much care for selling things and I've never really been able to come up with an idea of anything to build that would make decent money. Any ideas on where to get inspiration? Yeah, Great questions, and I can give you uh, short answers to both of those. The first one is, you're a techie and you don't enjoy selling, but you know the money is in the selling. You're absolutely right. I mean, uh, doing tech work, even making things, producing things, inventing things, I mean, will get you nickels and dimes, but selling can create hundreds of thousands of dollars for you. The fortunate thing is, as a techie guy, you're in a perfect position to sell anything you want. I mean, you can create systems that sell for you so that you never have to pick up the phone. You never have to go knocking on doors. Not that kind of selling, but yeah, if you understand selling and you can create systems to do that. Now just go to 48 days if you want to. I mean, you start browsing around there and look at all the things that we're selling and believe me, people buy. While I'm talking here, people are on our websites browsing through, seeing things, hearing testimonials from other people who have already purchased those products and they're putting in their fancy little debit cards or credit cards and boom, purchase and product left and right. I love that. 99% of the revenue that we generate at 48 Days is done through having systems created on the internet. So a techie like yourself can do that and sell lots of things, create unlimited income without ever having to compromise how God has wired you. Well, just to reminder, if you want to leave a podcast question, just go to 48days.com, click on the podcast. You'll see a little Starburst jump up, and you can send a question in to me. This is Dan Miller, you're listening to here on the 48 Days The Work You Love A Radio Show. Kenton from Arizona says, Dan, your work has been inspirational. I found a company in Europe that makes and sells a product that I was thinking about inventing. They currently do not have any distributors of their product in the United States. U.S. customers contact them directly in Europe to purchase. I'm thinking about approaching the company to discuss becoming a distributor of their product or finding a way to buy their idea and make it here. Do you have any advice, ideas, or resources that may help? Thanks for your help, Kenton. Well, yes, I do. We just talked about the money is in the selling, not in the inventing. Be careful about forcing the idea of inventing or manufacturing it here I mean, those are the very costly parts of this process. But if you learn how to sell it, I mean, 99% of the profits is gonna be in the selling. So if you already uh, have a product that you're interested in, you know that that it was invented, it's being manufactured somewhere else, but you can become the United States distributor of that, as you've mentioned here as an example. Yeah, that would be a great approach to this. I mean, if you look at things like Orange Julius, remember that as a really popular drink. I mean, there was a guy who discovered that was being sold wildly and successfully on on the West Coast, but people in the Midwest and East had not heard about it. He became a distributor for the Midwest and made millions of dollars by simply distributing it here. Something that was already, prototype was already done. That's the best way to make a bunch of money is to find something that just hasn't been marketed well You do the marketing, distribution, selling of that, and you can create a lot of income. Century 21, I mean, even franchise systems like that, that was developed in Canada. A gentleman in the United States saw how successful that was being and asked to be the distributor, the licensee for Century 21 in the United States and made multiple, multiple, multiple millions and millions of dollars. David says, Dan, I have to tell you once again how your influence has it affected my life in so many ways, I'll always be grateful. I've just released my first ebook entitled How to Learn a Foreign Language, Seven Tips for Making the Daunting Doable. Got a great title. And I'm taking the advice of many people and giving away a free download of a summary of the book. So far the number of free downloads is almost four times the number of paid downloads. Download is $8.95. And none of the people who downloaded the free summary have come back yet to order the full book. I'm less than two weeks into this, so it's still early, but does this ratio sound about right to you? Thanks, David. Well, David, I, I'm the, the ratio sounds fine. Yeah, sure, you're gonna have at least four times the people who would download a free summary or a free product offering is what we'll purchase it. That part's fine, but it does concern me that none of the people who downloaded the free summary have come back to order the full book. I mean, that is a red flag for you because if you give the entire book away, which I've done over and over and over again, you know, I've given things away, things like the 48 low cost business ideas, businesses you can start with virtually no capital. Well, that's been downloaded over 120,000 times before I ever charged a penny for that. I mean, we just recently turned that into a real product now, but I expect, I expect a, a big percentage of those people to come right back and purchase what they already got as a free download. So your free download is intended to whet their appetite. It should make them want to come back for the real thing, especially if you're just doing a summary. So you need to go back and work on that. I mean, it's just like the process of, of doing a cover letter, a resume, and then phone follow-up interviews. But we can find where is the fatal flaw? Where is that process breaking down? If you're sending out resumes but not getting any interviews, you know, then go back and look at your resume wow, what's happening here? Why am I not getting response? If you're getting interviews, you've had 10 interviews, but never a job offer. Wow. We know the problem isn't your resume. The resume is working fine. Something that you're doing in the resume is working against you. Well, in this case, if you're given a free summary as an introduction to the real product and nobody is coming back and buying it, something is not working well. You're not you're not making it sound exciting enough, you're not tantalizing people enough, you're not wetting their appetite enough. So you need to go back and look at that so you do convert a high percentage of those people who are downloading the free summary with purchasing the real thing. This is just a process of experimenting. I test everything. I test every new content area. I don't spring any new content on people. I test everything by giving it away free and it's only if I get a really big response In people wanting the free product that we then converted into a paid product. Brent says, Dan recently, you mentioned a book about taking an idea and being able to sell it to a company that would benefit. You said you were persuaded from the traditional notion that ideas were best taken to market by the creator to seeing the value in taking an idea to the right company. You said the author did a good job at laying out how to do this. Just hoping to get the name of that book and author. Thank you for this and all you do. Brent from Anaheim, California. Well, sure. The book that I talked about was One Simple Idea, and the author is Stephen Key. You can go right to his website, onesimpleidea.com. Stephen has a massive amount of information there about how do you develop an, a new idea, and you're exactly right. I've always told people don't waste your time going to a, a company with an idea. Develop it yourself till you get it up and running, and he's saying He has been very successful, and he really has, in just having the idea and taking the idea without going through any developing of a prototype or the manufacturing. He's taken those ideas to companies and licensed those and done very well. It's worth looking at if you are an inventor, if you're in that process at all, it's certainly worth looking at. And I've gone back to multiple people that I've worked with over the last few years who had product ideas where I said, the only way you're going to make this work is to develop a prototype, get out here and sell 10,000 on your own. I've gone back to those people and said, you know, maybe there is a better approach. You know, maybe I was wrong in being so black and white about that. Here's another option you can look at. Rick says, first off, let me say, I purchased both No More Mondays and 48 Days to the Work You Love, and I've loved both. I have a question. Um, I just learned last week that I'm being laid off from my job of 24 and a half years. My question is regarding how to discern the patterns from life experiences or supposed recurring themes of life that Dan speaks of. If you could elaborate on this some more, it would be helpful. Thanks, Rick. Well, Rick, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, what you've got to look for are what are the skills and abilities that you have really refined and do the, do well. Not only what you have the ability to do, but what you enjoy doing. What are those things? You want to be able to identify those. What are the personality skills that you have that make you unique? And then what are those recurring themes when you feel like you're really in the zone? What is it that when you're doing it, time just flies by? You ought to be able to see those patterns and in identifying those recognize what kind of work fits you well so you can be in the driver's seat in choosing the work for this next season in your life. Well, John from Bedford, Texas says, Dan, listening to your podcast has opened up in my mind and is changing my perception of what work is. It's also given me a kick in the pants. If you you will, to get off my duff and start doing something to make my own future unfold the way I want it to, Here's my question. I'm working on a fiction novel and want to know if the use of product names is allowed without permission to add realism to the work. I want to say something like I was driving my Toyota Prius the other day while I was drinking a can of Coke and I had a bag of Doritos on the front seat. I I am adding some things to uh, John's question here instead of just saying I was driving my car the other day. The former paints a better picture. Can I use those product brand names freely in my writing? Thanks so much. Absolutely. you can do that. Sure, you can use any product names that you want to I mean that's not an infringement of trademark or copyright or anything, and you see that done all the time now what what you'll also notice of course it's interesting in movies these days I mean movies are just a a nonstop commercial. I mean when you see somebody who is driving a Toyota Prius or a take what was that um Oh, what was that movie called where they had all the little Mini Coopers and the BMW Minis in it? It was something about job, the Italian job, the Italian job. I mean, the sales of the the little Mini Cooper just went nuts after that movie came out because they used like 21 in the making of that movie and they would go up and down, you know, stair steps. They did all kinds of radical things, but it was really a a, a two-hour commercial for that car. And you see that in movies. There's product placements all the time. Now, they, those companies get paid for those. That's a little different. But in a book, sure, go ahead and write about it. I mean, they just consider it to be additional exposure for their products. And you see people use product names not only in a positive way, but a negative a way. And that's your privilege, certainly under the literary license that we have in writing. Cliff from Ohio says, Dan, how do I break free from the chains of mediocrity? from political layers in my workplace, preventing exceptionalism, low income, no degrees. Some friends and family who look at me as mediocre is being exceptional, coming in early, leaving late for my workplace, always volunteering for everything, obtaining degrees. I'm not getting it. Just when I believe I'm breaking free, the bondage of mediocrity has a hold of me and pulls me back. I wanna be free from mediocrity. Thanks for all you do. Cliff from New Philly, Ohio. If we look at mediocre, what is the definition of mediocre? The dictionary defines mediocre as of only ordinary or moderate quality, neither good nor bad, barely adequate, in undistinguished, commonplace, pedestrian, everyday run of the mill. All right, if those are the things that define you, of only ordinary or moderate quality, neither good nor bad, barely adequate, what you want to do to break out of the cycle of mediocrity, the easiest way to do it is not to go back and get extra degrees and become a PhD in physics so you can be really excellent in that. You can be break out of mediocrity and be exceptional immediately. What you want to do is look for something that would make you remarkable. A few years ago, Seth Godin wrote a book titled Purple Cow. And the premise is this, you drive down the road, you're driving through the country, you see white cows, black cows, brown cows. They don't even get your attention. They're just kind of in the periphery. You don't even notice them. But now a purple cow? A purple cow would get your attention. You'd stop and go, oh my gosh, there's a purple cow. So the premise is, what are you doing that makes you a purple cow? What are you doing that makes you remarkable? Now think about it in terms of, Uh, products just for a minute i mean i have a lot of craftsman tools why do i have craftsman tools it's not that i'm a big fan of sears sears has changed dramatically craftsman tools they're kind of recognized they're guaranteed for life that's what makes them remarkable they're really good and they're guaranteed for life i don't find any other tools that are claiming that i mean what do we know about a hummer the car a hummer I mean, they're massive, they're ugly, they're annoying, they are non-green, they're gas guzzlers. But you know what? The people that drive them like all those things. They like the fact, man, I'm an arrogant SOB, I'm gonna drive this thing and annoy all the little people in the world. I mean, I don't know, but they have that kind of distinctive uh, image when you say Hummer. I mean, a Volvo. Volvos have never been known for being beautiful and stylish. But what are they known for? Everybody knows they're the safest car in the world. I mean, studies show that their their commercials convey that. So, what could you do to be remarkable? Golly, I don't know. What What if at four thirty every Friday afternoon you fix the best coffee known to man for everyone in the office? I mean, you did a little research. You purchased coffee from Rwanda. You ground it yourself you, uh, you know, fix that. I mean, would that make you remarkable? Sure. What if you had a list of everyone's birthday in your entire company and you hand delivered a card to them on that day? I mean, it may take you 30 seconds. Would that make you remarkable? You would become known as the guy people would anticipate it. They would expect it. they'd be disappointed if it got to be four thirty and you hadn't yet done it because they know you're that guy. I mean, those are the kind of things you can do to make yourself remarkable, and you can break that pattern of mediocrity really quickly. Yvonne says, just wanted to say, I really like the 48 Days app. I've been listening to podcasts. We'll exercise in the gym, a double win. Well, thanks for that. We're excited about the the 48 Days app. We got a lot of new ideas and new applications for that app that we're already uh, putting in place, Dan Waller, has been wonderful to work with uh, in the development and addition of things to the app. You can find it on iTunes. It gives you all the updates on what's happening in the 48 days community. It gives you instant access to my blogs, podcasts. You have your own 48 days schedule on there. So if you want to change jobs, you can walk right through the schedule. If you're on day 15, you'll know exactly what to do. That's all part of that little app. I was going to say on that free app, but no, it's not. It's 99 cents. So you have to invest 99 cents to get that, but uh, certainly I hope it's a great value for you. Gregory from Hollywood, California says, I'm about to graduate with a bachelor's degree in psychology. I'm currently interning at a school as a sports psychologist, but there's no real job at the school for a sports psychologist. I also work graveyard shift at a retail store, which I've been at for five years. I hate working overnight and have many other issues with this job. I was thinking about being a sports psychologist consultant online after I get certified. I'm planning to move out of my apartment and live in my car to save money and try to do it from there. From the internship, I have 10 athletes that I work with as a sports psychologist, which I help in person and online. Do you think this is a good idea or should I stick it out at the overnight job until I find a better job? Well, here's my suggestions. If you're just working overnight at a retail job, yeah, there's probably not a lot of connection with wanting to be a sports psychologist or sports consultant. Get connected with the local health and fitness club. The easiest way to establish yourself in business is to get a job in a company that is already doing that. So I'd say get connected with the local health and fitness club. I mean, there's tons of them anywhere. If you're in Hollywood, California, there's probably 40 of them within a five mile radius. So get involved with them. There's lots of them there, but you need some real life experience as a sports psychologist. I'm not a fan of just going to school, even if you get certified and then just position yourself as a sports psychologist. Get in the game. Get involved where you can have some real life experience in that arena. But now here, You know, being at Health Club is going to put you in contact with tons of prospects for for your personal consulting then. But now here's where I want to really challenge you. Don't think scarcity. And this is what I mean by that. Why would you be starting a new business having just gotten your professional training and certification and then move out of an apartment into your car? Are you really going to you know, make 25 cents a day. I mean, if you in fact are a sports psychologist consultant, I would expect your income to go up dramatically immediately, immediately from what you've been making, working overnight in retail. I mean, working overnight in retail, I mean, what are you making 10, 12 bucks an hour? I mean, surely as a sports psychologist consultant, you should be looking at eighty or hundred dollars an hour for your services, and you're gonna live in your car. I mean, what kind of image does that create? What kind of mentality does that create for you when you get up in the morning? You crawl out of your car. You're gonna go consult with somebody. You haven't had a shower. You're in the clothes you slept in with a four-day beard. When I mean, that's not exactly the image of a sports psychologist that I'd want to pay money to for advice. I mean, play the part. Geez, you ought to have a great apartment. You ought to have a place where you come out feeling like a million bucks because then you have the confidence, the boldness, enthusiasm that you're going to need to sell your services as a consultant. If you move down, you think scarcity, you think that you're going to be making peanuts and you're going to have to be eaten out of Vienna sausage cans, it'll cloud your ability to sell your services with confidence. And personally, you know, I'm not going to want to pay $100 an hour to somebody that I see, you know, living out of a 1983 Toyota Corolla, you know, that they parked down at the truck parking lot overnight. It's going to kill your image and your personal confidence. Don't do that. Go the other way. Start to ramp up in terms of lifestyle and your own expectations for what you're going to experience. Well, again, just a reminder, you're listening to Dan Meller, I'm the author of 48 Days to the Work You Love on the 48 Days Radio Show. You know, we've got some real exciting community things going on. When I say community, it just means that I've had the privilege of putting together 48days.net community where there's a whole lot of people in there who, rather than having to just ask me questions, they have a brain trust. They have 10,000 other people in there that they can ask questions of those people can help them. And certainly there's a whole lot of people in there whose skills in very various areas supersede my own dramatically. I love seeing that happen where somebody, you know, goes to Cliff Ravenscraft if they have a podcast question, or they go to Pierce Mars if they have a sales question. I mean we've got a lot of really competent professionals in there who have an area of expertise that they can help you certainly more than I. Now, the way to access that is just to get involved in the 48days.net community. And it is a social network, we ask you a few questions to okay you to get in. Not everybody is approved, but if you respond to certain questions and you really are on the same path as people in there, we'd be delighted to have you become a part of the 48days.net community. Well, here's a question. Now, this one comes from, I'm going to spend a little time kind of, Dissecting this. This comes from Matilek. I probably butchered the pronunciation from Poland, who says I'm a 21 year old college student from Poland without an idea for a future job. I've already tried a bunch of typical student exploitative jobs like salesman, pizza delivery, barman, dishwasher, or my personal winner in the dumbest job classification Christmas Carps Fisherman. You know, I, I looked that up. I was not familiar with that, but in Poland, carp at Christmas time is seen as a real—you know—it's like having turkey at Thanksgiving here in the United States. And so, there are people who really ramp up their business in fishing at Christmas time, fishing for carp. Well, anyway, our listener here says he has gone through all those exploitative jobs. I feel like realities here are totally different. And some of the 48 days clues just don't fit here. Typical income is about $500 a month. If you're lucky, start your own business, right? Struggle with state run institutions, trashing law, horrendously high taxes. I'm studying English philosophy, but I know that this is not my goal to be a translator or teacher. My passion is bass guitar and I love everything about it, except remuneration. My bands normally play for a traveling cost or even just beer and food. Is it okay to not have precise plans at my age? And he adds, do you remember your life plans when you were 20 years old? Boy, that's a great question. I had to think back because that's been a few years ago. At 20 years old? 20 years old, I was a junior at the Ohio State University. Joanne and I had just gotten married. Yep, she was 19, I was 20. we just gotten married. We were having a blast. We were having the time of our lives. We, we purchased for $1,245, we purchased a trailer that we had on in a trailer lot that was right on the edge of the Ohio State University campus where there was nothing but students there. I mean, nobody locked their doors. If you needed a cup of sugar or a quart of milk, you just walked in your next door neighbor's house, got it out of the refrigerator, no big deal. We studied outside, we studied together. It was a great time in our life. Did I have my future planned out? Not a chance. Now I'm very intentional with what I do at this point in my life. I'm very intentional with how I structure my business, but you've already heard me talk about, that doesn't mean that things are written in concrete. My plans are very fluid. Yes, I know what I'm going to be working on next year. Yes, I know what my life is going to look like three years from now. But do I keep myself open to new business opportunities as they come along? Absolutely. There may be things that I add in my business three years from now that I don't even see or recognize at this point. There'll be opportunities that don't exist today. I want to be open to those. So I've never been one, and I certainly did not at 20, who said, I'm going to, Go to school i'm going to get my graduate degree i'm going to you know work in this arena i'm going to become a a psychologist and i'm just going to see people 40 hours a week until you know i'm 65 years old and then retire no i never viewed it like that i majored in psychology in college but it had a whole lot more to do with personal development than it did with me defining a career path i wanted to figure out how my own head worked i wanted to figure out the correlation between Psychology and religion is it really true that understanding ourselves and the world around us too much draws us away from any kind of spirituality? Well, that was one of the things i was I was studying. I found that that's not true in fact, it works in the reverse. There does seem to be a pattern when you know a little bit can draw you away from simple faith, and as you know more and more, it draws you back to again what is a very simple faith? I love that process, so I love the process of learning and studying, but I didn't have things clearly mapped out. I knew that we were going to experience a wide variety of opportunities, and I certainly did that. I mean, got out of school, I did work at a psychiatric hospital for a couple years, and went back and got my master's degree, and then I was in a private practice and a therapeutic counseling practice for about three months until I realized I was gonna go nuts if I had to stay there because things moved so slowly, the expectation were was that things would move so slowly. I said, man, I want to do something fun. I got into the used car business and in motorhome rentals, and you've heard me talk about a whole lot of other things, auto accessories, health and fitness centers. And it wasn't until I was about 45 years old that I really then focused all of my academic and work experience into coaching, life coaching, Frankly, I don't think I would have really been prepared adequately prior to that. I don't think you can take seriously a life coach who's 26 years old, even if they have a fresh master's degree in clinical psychology. So I I was open to a lot of varied experiences as I went along, as I still am. Now I, again, get clear on the upcoming three years, but I leave wiggle room for modifying that redirecting as I go. Now let me comment on your question here. 21 year old student from Poland, no, 20 year old, yeah, 21 year old student from Poland, no idea where to go for a future job. Let me refresh your memory here in what his questions were. He's already had a whole bunch of the student exploitative jobs, like salesman, pizza delivery, barman, dishwasher, or catching fish. Starting a business is a joke because of state-run institutions Trashing law, horrendously high taxes, you know, that stinks. You know, he likes to play music, but hey, that sucks as well because all they get for playing music is beer and food. Let me kind of recap. I think having a variety of work experiences is great. It'll help you in the process of clarification. You know, if nothing else, all the the wide variety of things you describe will help you eliminate things you know you don't want to do. That has a lot of value, but the real issue here is your attitude, your expectation of what life is offering you. You trash the student exploitative jobs and running your own business and doing what you're passionate about because you can't make any money. What my fear is here in hearing your scenario so succinctly laid out is you're creating patterns that are going to cause you to expect Conflict, antagonism, and poverty, no matter what the circumstances. I mean, I know people who learned the principles of selling by knocking on doors, selling books or water filters or selling pizza and increasing their tips. And they've gone on to become millionaires because they learned the basic principles of selling in that environment. I mean, every musician I know started out making beer money or less. But then I've got. Neighbors here in Franklin, Tennessee like Buddy Green and Michael W. Smith and Alan Jackson and George Jones and Keith Urban and Taylor Swift and Carrie Underwood who stuck at it. They stayed with it. They endured the beer money but they kept getting better. They put in their 10,000 hours and now they're multi-millionaires from the money that they're paid to play their music. You can't cut off the beginning of the process. You can't ignore the building blocks. I mean, the Beatles used to play eight hours a night, seven days a week in Liverpool. I mean, with fingers that were bleeding and they would play and play and play. I mean, they didn't make any money at all. And then they put in their 10,000 hours and some things started to come into view. And then they created their own songs instead of just playing covers. And people said, wow, that's a really cool song. And pretty soon, of course, they hit the United States with you know, Pretty Woman and I Wanna Hold Your Hand, and on and on and on, and you know the rest of the story. They started right where you are. But your attitude will have more to do with the opportunities you find than circumstances, the economy, or what country you live in. If you expect to be exploited, If you expect to make nothing but beer money and chump change, if you expect to battle with the government and running your own business, if you expect to just drift through life, guess what? Those things are and will continue to be true. If you expect to find work you love, you expect to make extraordinary amounts of money. You expect to have people look up to you. You expect to be remembered as a remarkable guy. Those things will be true. Be careful of allowing these low negative expectations to create patterns and ruts in your brain because they will chart the course for the rest of your life. That's not what you want. Change your expectations, recognizing some of those entry-level opportunities for guys. I mean, I've known guys who you know started working in a little pizza joint and now they own 30, Papa John's franchises themselves because they learned the principles, saw the opportunities, learned how treating customers well translates into higher revenue. And now they're out there doing it themselves. That's my advice to you. Watch those expectations. They're going to lead you in the direction that your life inevitably is going to go. Well, and you're listening to the podcast here, the 48 Days Online Radio Show. I'm Dan Miller, your host. Thanks for being part of our team here for the growing audience that we're uh, having the pleasure of talking to week after week. I know that this is an exciting, this continues to be an exciting path for me as I see new opportunities and adjust. I don't ever want to get to the point where things are just written in concrete every day as predictable. I want to get up knowing there are new challenges because with those come new opportunities. I know you're on that path as well. Thanks for being part of the growing 48 days community as we all together are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Have a wonderful week.